Welcome to the Weekly Fantasy Roundup with your host, Andrew Skinner. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Weekly Fantasy Roundup. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Skinner. This is Thursday, December 3rd, 2020. Before I begin the podcast this week, I'm going to talk about something from TBLC last week that has left me, quite frankly, uh, very upset. Uh, Ryan and I made a trade at the deadline. The trade was I sent Nick Chubb and Will Fuller to Ryan in exchange for DeAndre Hopkins and Todd Gurley. At the time... DeAndre Hopkins had already played on that Thursday night. So because of that, the trade couldn't be processed until well after the deadline had passed on the following Tuesday. Okay, So Ryan wanted some insurance on the deal. He said, and I'm quoting, I'm willing to pull the trigger if we agree that if one of the three remaining players gets hurt, we'll veto. And then went on to say, group chat seems okay with it. I responded, done deal. If anyone gets hurt during their game, no deal, regardless of the severity. If someone gets hurt and leaves the game, no deal. And then followed by a couple of thumbs up emojis. Well, Wednesday, Todd Gurley did not practice. I, being the diligent manager I am, addressed this to the group chat. Was laughed at, of course. People call me sour grapes, fucking idiot, whatever. Thursday, Todd Gurley did not practice. Now here's where it gets tangly. Thursday was American Thanksgiving. And there was three scheduled games. Only two played because the Ravens and the Steelers had to be postponed temporarily. But one of the games that played was the Lions and the Texans. Will Fuller played in that game. So, Friday it was revealed that Gurley was in fact injured during his game against the Saints and was not going to play the following week. Now, based on what I just told you, the exchange between me and Ryan, he said, if we pull the trigger and one of the three remaining players gets hurt, we'll veto. Gurley got hurt. I went on to say, if anyone gets hurt during their game, regardless of the severity, no deal. Curly did that, and he's out. And then I said, if someone gets hurt and leaves the game, no deal. Yeah, Curly got hurt in the third quarter with three minutes left and didn't play a single snap after that. My point is, all conditions of the injury clause were met. So when this came up in the group, of course... There was a shitstorm, a fucking insane shitstorm to the point where even though I felt completely in the right to veto the trade, I didn't feel comfortable making that decision. So I deferred to Mr. Gary Nolan, trusted, uh, I don't even know the title, but Whenever it comes to sorting out any disputes in my fantasy leagues, Gary's always my go-to guy. He's, of course, my lawyer and many of the lawyers of the participants in my leagues. And Gary and I have been friends since we were little kids. You know, I've trusted Gary's opinion 
and rulings, you know, for years and years and years and years. So I have no reason to not immediately go to Gary when it comes to issues like this. Some suggested that we should go to a vote to see if the trade should stand or be vetoed. I shot that down immediately. If for no other reason than we don't vote on normal trades, why the hell would we vote on whether or not one should be upheld? And again, for the same reason that trades are not voted on, would be the same reason that this would not be voted on, because people would vote for the completely wrong reasons. This is why, if you're in a league where trades are determined by manager's vote, your league is fucking trash. Get the fuck out of it. Sorry, I digress. Anyway, I left it up to Sir Gary Nolan, L. Lawyer, Esquire, to make a ruling on the matter. In this particular case, I was pretty confident Gary was going to rule in my favor. Um, not that that is why I went to Gary. As I stated before, I go to Gary for all of these issues I've had in the past. I've had him sort out disputes in my baseball pool. Uh, the hockey pool I'm running is pretty new. Nothing of uh, issue has come up there yet. But Gary's always been the go-to guy. Okay. So anyway, after some debate, Gary ruled on the matter, and he ruled that the trade should be upheld. He stated that um, it would, because his the main crux of his ruling was that Will Fuller had already played uh, a game in the following week. Therefore, undoing the trade would affect matchups that were already in place. Okay, I get that, but there was no, there was no if... A guy's played on Thursday, you know, and uh, a guy's ruled out after that. There was no clause about that, okay? What I do agree with was that the terms of my deal with Ryan were pretty vague, okay? And probably weren't clearly defined. However, regardless of how vague, regardless of how ambiguous those terms were, we still agreed to those terms, okay? So even though it may have been a bullshit agreement between us, it was still an agreement, and it should have been upheld, okay? So I, to be honest, I'm fucking pissed, okay? This is bullshit. I shouldn't be stuck with a fucking injured Todd Gurley, okay? I should get my boy Nick Chubb and my boy Will Fuller back, and I should be having them ready to go for a fucking playoff push. I can't believe the fucking bullshit. I got a fucking... Moments ago, Will Fuller, the Texas wide receiver, announced on Instagram that he is being suspended six games for violating the NFL's PED policy, performance-enhancing drugs policy. And so that ends Will Fuller's 2020 season. It's over. Fuller suspended for the rest of the season. Uh, yeah, uh, can we start this over? Yeah, can we uh, dial it back to the beginning? I uh, I don't want to put in the part about being pissed off anymore. 
I want to start over from the beginning and uh, talk about what a great ruling that was and how I don't want to do anything. It's exactly how it should be. Uh, can we can we roll can we roll that back? What? Hey, what do you what do you mean? I can't roll this back. It's fucking podcast. Oh, uh, geez, shit, we're back. Okay, we're back. Uh, oof. We're back. Hey, hey guys, it's me. Hey, hello, me, Andrew Skinner again. Uh, hello, hi. Uh, yeah, so I am really happy with my team going forward. I don't want to change anything. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Todd Gurley are now my new favorite players, and I very much embrace having them on my team. Yay! Go fantasy football. Fun. Fun time. Let's, uh, okay, let's get in the show now. Okay. All right, moving right along to TBLC now. Uh, let's see what happened in week 12. Myself, Turd Ferguson, beat up on the gaping waiver wire Vs by a score of 152 to 116. Then we had Baby Shark to do to do beat up on Team Dinner by the score of 164 to 95. Ouch. Then we have the guy with the Skinner tattoo with the fortunate matchup of the week. He defeated the Trash Man by a score of 114 to 93. One thing of note in this matchup Trash Man traded for Jarvis Landry not long ago, but decided to bench him in favor of Steve Slayton. Steve Slayton got uh, zero. Jarvis Landry had almost 29 on his bench. And he lost by just 21 points. So the trash man once again leaving a win on the table and allowing the guy with the Skinner tattoo to pull out an unlikely win. I say unlikely because the guy with the Skinner tattoo would have only defeated two other teams last week had the trash man properly said his lineup he would have only defeated team dinner and costanza so the guy with the skinner tattoo fortunate winner of the week then we have no soup for you against costanza uh, you know what i'm gonna come back to that one we had shogun master defeat four verticals by a score 165.54 to 145.16 the last two matchups were both Extremely interesting. The first of which was the Labrador Colts versus football team. The Labrador Colts defeat a football team by a score of 131.2 to 131.18. A .02 margin of victory. That is the smallest possible margin of victory. How small, you might ask? 0.02 points is the equivalent of half of one passing yard. That is the difference. I say it's the closest possible uh, margin of defeat because when it comes to decimal numbers, because of quarterback scoring, it is impossible to have an odd number in the decimal place. So it couldn't be 131.19. So this margin of victory for Labrador Colts was the smallest margin of victory possible. 
and the first time ever in the history of TBLC that a match was decided by this mount. The uh, smallest mount prior to this week's matchup was actually the 2016 finals between Team Dinner and the Galaxy Aces, which was decided by .04 points. Uh, again, the equivalent of a full passing yard. But no, no. This one was decided by zero point, sorry, point zero two points. I didn't even know it was physically fucking possible. Here we are. Unbelievable. However, that was not the most remarkable matchup of the week. The most remarkable matchup of the week was no soup for you versus Co Stanza. It was remarkable because there was a couple of firsts in this match. The first being that No Soup For You scored the highest amount of points in the history of TBLC with 220.8 points. His opponent, Costanza, put up a mere 69 points. So the other first is that the 150 point margin of victory was the highest margin of victory in league history as well. Simply amazing. The standings after week 12 are as follows. Myself, Turd Ferguson, remains in first place at 10-2. Then we've got No Soup For You in second place at 9-3. Guy with Skinner Tattoo is in third at 8-4. Then we've got the Four Verticals sitting in fourth at 7-5. And joining us in the Guaranteed to Make the Playoffs Club is Team Dinner uh, with a record of 6-6. Six and six, Spike getting his ass handed to him last week. The results worked out so that his loss still ensured him a playoff spot. So congrats to Team Dinner on quite literally stumbling into the playoffs after losing three in a row. Then we've got Costanza. Football team, Labrador Colts, and Baby Chark to do to do to do. All tied five and seven. And finally, we've got the Trash Man, Shogun Master, and the Gaping Waver Wire Vs all tied at four and eight. While not mathematically eliminated, these four and eight teams, I mean, again, I've gone through the league history, specifically this week, because when No Soup For You put up his score, I wanted to confirm that it was the highest in league history, and I also wanted to see if Costanza's mark of 69.46 was the lowest score in the PPR era of TBLC. Uh, spoiler, it wasn't. Guy with the Skinner Tattoo put up 61.08 points in 2018. Ugh. Point is, through all my research, I determined that a team has never, ever made the playoffs in TBLC with a record of 5-8. and eight. So while not mathematically eliminated, uh, the boys certainly have their work cut out for them. So we don't want to officially say better luck next year but unofficially thanks for coming out here's what we can say 
about teams vying for those final couple of playoff spots. Okay, so as mentioned, the top five spots have been predetermined. Turd Ferguson, no soup for you. Guy with the Skinner tattoo, four verticals, and team dinner all going to the show. Then at the bottom, the five and seven teams. One team, or one team, Jesus, one spot is reserved for either Costanza or Baby Chark to do to do. As they play one another this week, one of those teams will improve to six and seven and lock up the sixth playoff spot. That leaves two playoff spots to be determined. So we've got football team five and seven, Labrador Colts five and seven. I gotta think those guys got the in. Labrador Colts play the guy with the Skinner tattoo. That could be tough. Uh, football team plays four verticals. Four verticals has been up and down over the last few weeks. And as mentioned in the intro, has lost Will Fuller for the rest of the season. So it's hard to say, you know, I, we've never had a team make the playoffs at five and eight. But this is 2020 and a lot of shit has gone down in 2020. So in theory, let's hypothesize for a moment. Uh, Co-stands are baby Cherk wins, okay? One of those guys, six and seven. The other falls to five and eight. If football team loses and goes to five and eight, and Labrador Colts loses and goes to five and eight, we will have a five and eight team in the playoffs. Heck, we could even have two five and eight teams in the playoffs this year. So disregard everything I just said. Looks like everyone still has a shot. Although... Because points four is the determining factor, I would say that Shogun Master and the Gaping Waiver Wire Vs are probably eliminated because they're the bottom of the two four and eight teams. The only team I could see conceivably sneaking in uh, some kind of tiebreaker at five and eight is the Trash Man as he has more points for uh, than the Labrador Colts. So, I don't know, man. This is, you know, doing these what-if playoff scenarios is, is tough and tricky, and you can end up down a fucking YouTube rabbit hole real quick. Um, but it is possible, and even likely, based on the fact that A, it's 2020, and B, shit happens all the time. That we will see a team in the playoffs at 5-8. and eight. In any event, week 13 should be full of interesting matchups. And I'm anxious to see how it all shapes up and who comes out with the final few playoff spots. Now, as always, let me highlight uh, the high score and the low score from last week. The high score of last week with a simply astonishing 220.8 points was no soup for you. This insanely high all-time record score for TVLC is highlighted by Tyreek Hill, who also had the single highest 
Wide receiver total in the history of TBLC, 58.9. Robbie Anderson, 19.4. Calvin Ridley, 17. Hunter Henry, 13.7. Raheem Mostert, 10.3. Jason Sanders, 12. Did I shit on this guy for trading for a kicker a couple weeks ago? No, I did not because this kicker put up a dozen. Steelers defense, 17.32. Antonio Gibson, 36.6. Wayne Gallman, 18.1. People shit on him for trading for Wayne Gallman, and Wayne Gallman just scores a touchdown every fucking week. Ironically, Josh Allen did not have a very good game. Only put up 17.48. But when you put it all together, friends, that massive, gargantuan score was 220.8 points for no suit for you. Well done, brother. Hats off. And congrats on putting your name in the TBLC record books. Highest single weekly score of all time. Wow. On the flip side of the high score of the week was the low score of the week, which was Costandra with a paltry 69.46 points. This score was so low that I'm not even going to highlight what players shit the bed first team. Let's just assume his entire team is trash because 69 points is fucking hot diggity dog shit. In fact, if he only played against Tyreek Hill, he would have only won by nine points. Imagine that. Tyreek Hill versus Costanza, and Costanza would have won by nine. What a week. Anyway... Moving on to the top-scoring individual positions. For the second week in a row, the top-scoring quarterback was Deshaun Watson. This week, he had 318 passing yards to go with four touchdowns, along with 24 rushing yards and a two-point conversion for a tidy 41.12 points for the Labrador Colts. we got to think that we will not be seeing Deshaun Watson in this category again anytime soon. As Will, full of steroids, uh, decided to take the rest of the season off. So, can't imagine Watson's going to be putting up these kind of numbers, throwing to uh, who? Brandon Cooks, I guess. Kiki Cutie, maybe. And some tight ends. I don't know. Anyway, two weeks in a row. Way to go, Watson. Top scoring running back of the week was King Sir Derrick Henry. 178 yards to go with three rushing touchdowns. And he added two receptions for seven yards for 38.5 points for me, Turd Ferguson. My boy, Derrick Henry, doing things on my team. It's just glorious. It's fucking glorious. As I've mentioned about a million times already, the top scoring wide receiver was Tyreek Hill. 13 receptions, 269 yards. Three touchdowns. He got an extra two points for 200-plus receiving yards. Again, that bonus comes up again after I said it doesn't happen that often. Fucking every other week. It's coming up now. 58.9 points for no soup for you. And finally, the top-scoring tight end was not Travis Kelsey. Imagine that. It was actually Dallas Goddard. Seven receptions for 75 yards and a touchdown for the gaping waiver wire Vs. Too bad he didn't have more players in these top high scores. Maybe he wouldn't have got his ass kicked last week. <laughs> now, let's get into everyone's favorite category. 
shirt of the week. All right, shirt time. Let's go, baby. For the shirt of the week, I just had to go to the matchup with Labrador Colts and football team as it was decided by the smallest margin of victory in league history. So for that reason, shirt of the week is Bills wide receiver Stephon Diggs. Seven receptions on nine targets for 39 yards for 10.9 fantasy points. Now I know what you're thinking. 10.9 points is not shirt worthy. But hear me out. Coming into week 11, Diggs was second in the league in receiving yards and first in receptions. The seven receptions were great for PPR, but the lousy 5.6 yards per reception were atrocious and ultimately what costs football team his week. Diggs had his worst game of the season in terms of yardage and his second lowest in terms of fantasy points. If he had managed to stretch out even one more yard on one of those catches, man, oh man, Stefan Diggs, your shirt of the week. All right, let's move right along to decapitation nation, which has but five teams remaining. It's getting down to the nitty gritty now. It's, it's exciting times for that league. As I've said many times, I really wish I was still in. So congrats to the final five participants. I'm jealous and envious, and I'm very anxious to see who comes out on top. Top scorer from last week was the aptly named Spencer's team with 177.2 points. He had Tyreek uh, Mountain. Not Tyreek Hill. He's no longer a hill. He's Tyreek Mountain now. Tyreek Mountain with that massive amount of points. He also had Will full of roids. They both had massive games. The rest of his team was okay. But that matters not when you get 90 Three points from two wide receivers. Wow, wow, we wow. Big week. Way to go. Top three point scores in the league after week 12. The Executioner remains on top. 1,681 points. Then it's Victoria's Secret with 1,656 points. And rounding out the top three are two girlies, one cup. 1,598 points. Also, I had a chat briefly with the manager of Victoria's Secret. She promised me that she was going to change her name to something involving chicken nuggets. And uh, last I checked, Victoria's Secret has nothing to do with chicken nuggets. So uh, get off yes and change your team name to something to do with chicken nuggets. The lowest three teams from last week were as follows. 2018 All-Stars, 143.78. Michael Thomas, 9.1. Darren Waller, 6.3. His score wasn't so bad, though, as he did have no kicker, and he benched the Ravens' defense for fear of negative points and causing him to be decapitated. Then it was the man in first. The Executioner, 132.6. He managed to survive by a mere .62 points. Wow. His shitty score was highlighted by Kyler with 8.9. 
Edward Zolaire with 4.9. It's got to be rough when you manage to get eliminated by a difference of 0.62 points. That, that's got to suck, i got to be honest. But I guess it could be worse. You could have always lost your TBLC match by 0 0.02 points. That, that's rough. I mean, <laughs> at least it's not the same guy, right? Like, at least not... At least the same guy didn't lose in two leagues by a combined total of less than one point. Surely that couldn't be one guy. Could it? But indeed it was the very same dude who lost in both leagues by the whiff of a pube. He lost in TBLC by just .02. What a silly thing for him to do. If only he sat Kirk, playing him was bizarre. Should have instead played a healthy Alan Lazard. In Decapitation Nation, it's harder to say what he could have did differently to help save the day. Mahomes, Adams, and Evans all swung their big dicks. Their huge fantasy days kept his team in the mix. Dolphins D, Jason Myers, and Hunter Henry... All did their jobs and posted good numbers to see. But as is the case with every decapitated team, there were a few players who shattered his dream. Kamara, Elliot, and Tyler Lockett all took the day off and said, fuck it. Zeke, for example, had 3.2 YPC. Did he confuse himself for Todd Gurley? Tyler Lockett managed just three grabs. He's got no worries about catching the crabs. And what about Kamara? I thought he was the best. His passing ability sets him apart from the rest. His one catch for a negative two yards was very poor. Turns out you should have played Mr. Frank Gore. It's hard to shit on your team. You assemble the wagon. I guess it was your turn to get slain by the dragon. There wasn't much left for you to improve. As your team was rolling, they were in a real groove. Now if you'll excuse me, I must finish my beer. So the end of this poem you're about to hear. I should finish this up with a really good joke about how both of your teams decided to choke but I've decided that I will go easy on you. For you were knocked out by only .62. Sixth place is no joke. It's a pretty big deal. Feeling good about yourself, you obviously must feel. But in the end, there's no difference between you and the rest. You still won zero dollars for being sixth best. A sixth place finish is the best you will see as your shitty team has no chance in TBLC. And that is it for another poem. Another poem for our decapitated member, Mr. Justin Kennedy of football team. Sixth place. Great job, sir. This was a tough pool. And as predicted as the season 
got closer and closer to the end. Teams are going to get better. And it was going to become a crapshoot. And you just happened to be on the wrong side of the coin this week. So, tough break. Good season. Better luck next year. Now, let me go back to Decapitation Nation and predict a team to go down this week. I'm looking, God, five teams left. They're all real good. I think, I think I'm going to go back to the well, and I think I'm going to predict that the 2018 All-Stars get eliminated again this week. As of this moment, he's got Antonio Gibson on his bench in lieu of a kicker. So, again, kicker's pretty easy to replace, especially with only six teams left. So it's not to say that holding on to Gibson is going to hinder him as of now as he can find a kicker in short order should he need one. But he's got a couple guys with tough matchups this week. Waller, I like Waller's talent, but he's kind of been up and down. Diggs is coming off not a great game, and he's got a tough matchup in San Francisco this week, as does Josh Allen. You know, so if San Francisco defense shuts down the Bills, that could be a couple of bad games there. So that and the other teams are just really, really good. All teams are good, to be honest. So I got to predict one to go down, and I'm picking the 2018 All-Stars. Before I sign off, wanted to go back to an email question I received last week. I alluded to it at the end of the show that I received an email that I just wasn't going to get to on last week's show because it was too long. However, I will get to it now. That email was from Mr. Aaron Bishop. It went a little something like this. Yo! So last night, I was going through the stats of players on my team. And I noticed how ever since Gallman took over, he's gone up in touches every week from 10 to 18. He's scoring between 15 and 20 points every game, blah, blah, etc. I didn't realize all that. Even when we made our trade, I was blown away by how good Gallman's been. Point of all this is, sorry, in parentheses, you know how you have the shirt of the week, how about doing a segment on someone who went above and beyond expectations that week? Not sure what the opposite of the shirt is, LOL. Maybe a diamond in the rough kind of thing? I don't know. Thought it'd be interesting to hear your insight on some players. That was from Mr. Aaron Bishop. I like that idea, sir. I like the idea of doing a uh, diamond in the rough segment. I probably won't add... Uh, anything like that this year as the season is almost over. But I do look forward to changing some things uh, for next year, maybe adding some segments, maybe taking away some segments. I know for sure one thing I will not be doing next year are exit poems for teams that have been eliminated from the guillotine league. It's just, honestly, the podcast is proving to be a lot more work than I anticipated. And the stumbling block that delays the podcast most weeks is writing that poem. You know, I feel compelled at this point to keep it going because I've done it for every team so far. But I really find the 
Exapone to be a drag every week. So that segment is getting uh, decapitated next year. But I, I do look forward to adding some other segments. I've got some other ideas that I've been floating. And I certainly do like the idea of doing, you know, a positive share of the week, we'll say. So I appreciate the email. I also like that you brought up Gallman. Uh, Gallman has been quite good, you know, in the trade that we made for Derrick Henry. Gallman, at least for me, was a bit of a throw-in. For you, he was an insurance policy on Devontae Freeman. And it turns out Freeman immediately went to the IR, making Gallman the guy. So in hindsight, I probably should have kept him because I could uh, certainly use a flex, especially with Todd Gurley expected to miss a second game in a row. I'm not bitter about that at all because I'm not because Will Fuller, baby. <laughs> anyway, appreciate the email, Mr. Bishop. You're a good man. And that, my friends, is another episode of the Weekly Fantasy Roundup. I uh, hope you all enjoyed this episode. As always, if you enjoyed it, please tell a friend. Refer them to the show. You know, I would love to grow the show and increase our listenership. Slowly but surely, we're growing. So, big part of growing is uh, for you guys to tell your friends about it. So, please, if you enjoy the show... Tell a friend. In the meantime, I will say farewell. Good luck to everyone in week 13. And I'm anxious to see who fills in the final few playoff spots in TBLC. And I'm looking forward to doing a proper playoff preview next week. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Weekly Fantasy Roundup. Contact us anytime at theweeklyfantasyroundup at gmail.com.